well. Good evening. I hope everybody got all your stuff done today because it's going to rain tomorrow. We need a little rain. It's all right. So, got some new folk back here. So, Brandon, who's that lady you're with, Brandon? Picture up on the side of the road. There you go. Awesome. Um, thanks for coming out tonight. Wednesday is Wednesdays. Um, you know, when we started back on Wednesdays. Um, you kind of forget how hard Wendy's can be. Sometimes Wendy, Wendy's can be. You know, because you got you're so um, you're doing things right and all kinds of stuff. And it's like, man, Wednesday's the only day I got or whatever, right? But I appreciate you guys coming out and taking time out of your schedule and coming to find out some more about God. Amen. amen. So. Amen, that's exactly right, yeah. <clears throat> well, um, we're on lesson 11. We've got about five more in, in level one, then we go to level two. If you're new with us, um, this is a 48-week uh, discipleship course. It's probably going to take us about 50 or 60 to get through it. Once we start getting into level two and level three, some of these things get pretty deep, and so they're not going to be just one pager or let's talk about this for five or ten minutes and move on to the next, so... Uh, like I said, when we start getting into some of the deeper things, it may take us a couple of weeks to get through some of these. But uh, first things first, if you do have questions and you don't want to ask them just direct or whatever, um, go to FAQ for Pastor Monty. Spell everything out, FAQ for P-A-S-T-O-R-M-O-N-T-E at gmail.com. And you can put your questions there. And I'll try to, if you just want me to answer them back email style, we can do that. If you, sometimes they're a little bit too lengthy, I may have to call your something like that, or text and say, hey, call me. I'm not that fast of a, a typer, especially if I'm on my phone. So um, so we are on what happens when a Christian sins, which ought to be an interesting topic because there's probably a lot of different ideologies of what happens when a Christian sins. So, um, so in your guides... Um, let me just ask this. We'll just start this way. Does anybody have any questions? Let's just start it off like that. Because usually I just talk and then I, so like, we might get all these questions out of the way. Come on, Myra. I know, that's what I'm saying. Do anybody have any questions? There? Speak now or forever. Hold your peace. No, I'm just kidding. No questions. So what do you think that happens to a Christian when they sin? Let me ask you this. How many after reading the material maybe, I'm not going to say changed your thoughts, but maybe either reinforced something that you knew, or maybe give you, gave you pause to be like, oh, wait a minute. Anybody want to share that? I would say that you are probably not on an island by yourself. Um, everybody, I'm going to make a broad statement, probably everybody without exception, when they have come into this Christian kingdom has questioned their salvation at some point in time. Um, if, you, if you don't have good foundation or you don't have a good church body that's helping you understand that, no, that's not what happened, that's the tactic of the enemy, then it can become a problem um, to the point that you will doubt your salvation to the point that you could possibly walk away from it. Um, we talked about, um, well, let's, let's go a little deeper in here and then we'll come back to that. Um, let me make myself a little 
note here because I'm trying to not get off on too many rabbit trails. I got in trouble. I got in, I got in trouble. I'm not telling. But just know that your pastor has ears everywhere. <coughs> so, when you talk about me, I know. Um, so we know this, that as um, sin looks different in an unbeliever's life than it does in a Christian's life. And you say, well, what do you mean different? <clears throat> sin is not different in the sense that, oh, well, as a sinner, it means more than if you're a Christian. It's, it's not like that, okay? A sinner sins. That's their nature, okay? A Christian has their nature changed, supposedly, and therefore they don't want to sin, okay? So when I say it's the same, different, hear what I'm trying to say, okay? I don't, I don't know. Sometimes words, words fail me. Y'all know that. Um, but as an unbeliever, let me just say this too. There is only one sin in the entire world that sends you to hell. That sin is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And everybody wants to know what is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And we may, we may uh, we're not going to talk about it this week, but um, we may start next week. Uh, let me see here. Oh, and by the way, we will not have Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. Just so you know that. Um, yeah, that would be a good place to put that. Next week... Integrity of God's word. We will start with um, blasphemy. And we'll explain that a little further. For right now, I'm asking you just to take me at my word, go home and study it. But blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which is the unpardonable sin, you cannot be forgiven for it, is the rejection of Jesus Christ. You cannot be forgiven for that. Okay? Okay? Jesus even goes as far as saying, you can talk about daddy, you can talk about me, you can talk about all kinds, but you better not blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about what he means. Now remember, in our study, we're looking at things from a Hebrew perspective. Because when Jesus spoke, he spoke from a Hebrew perspective, and, his, and the people that he was speaking to, they understood what he was saying because they understood the culture. All right? <clears throat> Had a conversation with a neighbor today, and... We were talking, and I said, and we were talking about this. We were talking a little bit about marriage covenant. And she said, um, um, we were talking about Hebrew, Greek, all these kinds of things. And I said, you know, and I told her the story about Chera saying that my drip was on fire. And I said, imagine Chera writing a book and saying, you know, in this book, she was like, you know, hey, your drip's on fire. And so you've got all of these people that are reading this book. And if they're not from that generation, they go, what, what, what are they? His drip was on fire? What was dripping? What was on fire? Right? And then they start trying to make interpretations of what that means, and everything gets sideways. And what it really meant was just, you know, my dress was fine or whatever. So some of y'all, you know I mean? Some of y'all younger ones in here, when I say that, you're like, well, yeah, no, no problem. What? And some of the older ones are going, drip on fire? So when Jesus spoke, he used Hebrew idioms, and um, he spoke in Hebrew. And so we want to try to come from that point of view, okay? So there's only one sin that quote-unquote sends you to hell, and that is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and that is the rejection of Jesus, okay? So, <clears throat> Floyd, I can appreciate you saying, hey, you know what? I, I feel like I'm unredeemable, right? 
And that's a human understanding of our condition. And if we're honest and we're transparent, we probably all in here at some point in time have looked at someone that way too. Remember, the Bible says we're not supposed to look at any man by the flesh, but we're supposed to look at them by the spirit, like, like the stuff that could be in there, right? Dirt is easy to find. Gold is not. We're supposed to be looking for the gold in people's life. That man that, you know, um, um, I'll tell a little story here. We, had a, we, we know a, a person who has struggled with drug addiction, and they have been to rehab probably... I don't know, five or six times. And every time they get out, you know, it's kind of depends on the time frame, but here we go again, right? And after about the third or fourth time, you're like, the Lord's like, really? What would happen? Remember, and and I've said this before, if it doesn't sound good in Jesus' mouth, it probably shouldn't be in yours. Can you imagine Jesus coming to you and going, I gave you four chances and you blew all four of them. I'm done with you. So we have to be patient and kind and merciful. Now listen, I'm in no way saying <coughs> that we need to facilitate <laughs> their bad behavior. Okay, I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. But what I am saying is that we need to be praying for them. We need to be saying, oh, maybe this is the time, right? Maybe this is the one that it actually takes. Maybe this is, right? Um, it doesn't mean that we don't share the gospel with them. It doesn't mean that we say, don't say hard things. I'm just saying we have to be compassionate, okay? Um, I'm always, um, flabbergasted is not the word. I'm always uh, amazed at Christians who get mad at sinners for sinning. I can't believe, wait a minute. <laughs> they're, not, they're not saved. That's like, I can't believe that a horse would walk on four legs. And go, and, you know, what? I mean, it's a horse. I mean, if it got saved and it changed into, you know, a cat and it didn't climb trees, now we got a problem, right? But I'm just saying, we we do these things and we go, ah, and it's easy, especially for us that have grown up in the quote-unquote Bible belt, right? Because Sunday became, check a box off. Well, I go to church. Well, I'm nice to people. I let somebody out of the red light one time. I mean, we, we just check these boxes. Instead of saying, why do you go to church? Is it challenging you? Are you hearing things that go, ooh, that was a little, that was a little rough on me, right? Are you hearing things that go, yes, that, these are the things that, that's why we come together as a body to encourage one another. And at Jubilee, we want to encourage you, we want to equip you, and we want to empower you. So that's why we say, yeah, let's do this thing. This ought to be the safest place on earth that you could Try something and it not work. You know what I mean? And what I mean by that is well, biblical understanding. But I'm just saying, sometimes we, if something doesn't go exactly right, we might be quick to be like, well, and we jump on that. So hang on, we're all learning here, right? I don't want to be, I don't want somebody to come and kick me in the teeth if I do something wrong, right? I would rather somebody pull me aside and be like, hey, as, it, as opposed to being like, so that's all I'm saying. We just, we've got to be patient with one another. We've got to be kind. We've got to be considerate. But we can still be full of the truth. Amen? <clears throat> so, in a sinner's life, we all understand that the wages of sin is death. We've all read Romans 3.23, right? The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what it says. Now, I want to bring this up. The wages 
which, does everyone know what a wage is? Something you earn, right? It's an exchange. You do this, and I'm going to give you this. You earned a wage, right? Now, whether that's intellectual, physical, manual labor, whatever, there's an exchange there. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. Our nature is sinful. And so man begins to sow a sinful nature, and what he reaps is death from that. Now, let me ask you this. If I took that same scripture and applied it to a Christian's life, is there any difference in it? I heard yes, no. How many say maybe? (laughs) Romans 3.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Let's just go there. Romans 3. Then what's the advantage of being a Jew? Um, I guess we probably go back because we've got to... Remember in the scriptures, they weren't numbered chapter and verse and all that stuff. It was a, a continual paragraph, right? Um, chapter 2, verse 17 starts the Jews and the law, and they start talking about all this kind of stuff. Um, <coughs> excuse me. You call yourself a Jew. I've been working outside day, cutting some trees and stuff. Man, about noon I went in and got a drink, and I started hacking like a cat with a furball, man. Um, you who call yourselves Jews are relying on God's law, and you boast about your special relationship with him. You know what he wants. You know what is right because you have been taught his law. Now, remember, he's writing to Christians here in Rome, okay? So he's, they're having church, if you will, and he's talking to them. Let's uh, go down to... Um, Uh, Verse 21, well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but you steal. You say it's wrong to commit adultery, but you commit adultery. You condemn idolatry, but you use items stolen from pagan temples. You're so proud of knowing the law, but blah, 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 okay? So he keeps on rolling down there. Uh, Verse 28, for you are not a true Jew just because you were born of a Jewish parent or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God and true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. Then what's the advantage of being a Jew? So he's, he's continuing that paragraph, <coughs> and he's asking this question. Yes, there are great benefits. First of all, the, Jew were in, the Jews were entrusted with a whole revelation of God. True, some of them were unfaithful, but just because they were unfaithful, does that mean God will be unfaithful? Of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true, as the scripture says about him. So, he's writing to Christians, and he's telling them that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Now, this, has, this doesn't have to do with death you die, because we know that if you die without Jesus, you're going to live eternal. All right? So what is he talking about here? The wages of sin is death. We use this as a sinner's, the Roman road is what we call that, right? Romans 3, Romans 6. What's, what's he talking about here? What's he saying? Does it look different in a sinner's life than it does in a Christian's life? Sin. What does sin do? 
Okay. It says what? Okay. What's its, what's its wage? Okay. I know some of you are looking at me like I got six fingers and six toes. On both hands and both feet. Um, you, will get, you will receive the wage of sin. Sin pays its wages. Let me say it that way. Sin pays its wages. As a Christian, if you sin, what does it produce in your life? Huh? Go further. What's the consequence? Death. Wait a minute. I thought it meant that if I get to have eternal... You do. (laughs) That's the difference in a sinner's life and a Christian's life. Sin always produces death. It talks about it. Sin starts as a little bit. When it reaches full maturity, it produces death. Can I say this? Um, let's see how much time we got here. <laughs> are some of you going, wait a minute? It's okay if you are. You need to be challenged. Yes, ma'am. Yes. So let's let's take this, let's kind of break this down to where we're where y'all live and stuff, okay? Especially in today's culture. I'm a Christian. Um, I love God. I believe in Jesus. I ask him to come in and be my savior. But I don't think it's wrong for me to live with my girlfriend and have sex with her. You can have that belief. (laughs) But the scripture says sexual immorality is not pleasing to God. Okay? You should not... Here's the thing, if, you, if you're doing that or have done that, you shouldn't hear condemnation. You should hear God saying, I love you enough to correct you. Because sin left alone will produce death. Now, it may not physically cost you your life, but it will bring death to your family. It will bring death to you. And, <laughs> excuse me, when I say death... There again, I'm not talking about necessarily just physical death. Let me ask you this. If someone had, is promiscuous, when they have se- sex with several different partners, what kind of a risk do you run? Picking up STDs, BD, PDQ, LBLs, all these things, right? <clears throat> Some of that stuff don't go away. <laughs> and I mean... That's sin coming to fruition, <laughs> okay? That's why God said, let's don't do that. God made sex, right? He said, there's a proper way to do it. There's a proper way. You've, you've got to go through these steps like everything else, right? Everything that's valuable. I used to tell ladies, <coughs> excuse me, my daughters, that old story some of you have heard, that all the precious things are hidden from men. And men spend an extravagant amount of money to go find them and dig them up. Diamonds, oil, gas, uh, precious metals. You don't go around and go, oh, look at all these diamonds. You might find a diamond, <laughs> right? 
I mean, how many, how many people go down to Murfreesboro every day to dig for diamonds, and you only hear about them every now and then, right? What I'm saying is this. I, this is not where I wanted to go tonight. There is a pushback against um, modesty in ladies. I told my daughters, girls, if you're not married, I'm talking to you, okay? Your body was not designed for you. Your body was designed for your husband and vice versa. But he don't get to see none of that until he puts a ring on it and says, I do. And he signs the ketubah. And he's willing to pay the bride's price. You know what I'm saying? So we cover these things up. I, I had a Christian young lady tell me one time, this is many years ago. Well, if you've got a good body, you ought to show it off. God gave it to you. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what flies are attracted to? Manure. But if you've got a bunch of flies around you, you're like, what am I advertising? <laughs> Look around. I'm just trying to be straight with y'all. Sometimes we go from church to Bible real quick. You know what I'm saying? We had these talks at my house with my daughters, with my sons. When we used to do parenting class, one of the first things I would ask, I'd say, hey, guys, how many men in here have daughters? And they'd raise their hands. And I'd say, let me ask you a question. Are you going to punch me or hate you? I'm going to pray right now. And I pray that every, the way you treated every little girl is the way your little girl is going to be treated right now. Hallelujah. And you'd see me and be like, I'll punch you right in the face. Hang on a minute, guys. Hang on a minute, Dad. <laughs> if we want to change the culture, we got, it's got to start in our home, right? Hey, mamas, how many's got sons? I'm going to pray that your son gets treated just like you treated little boys in school. Amen? Well, hang on just a minute. <laughs> we better be teaching them then, right? It's okay. If we messed up, it's okay for us to say, look, I messed up. And I paid a price for it, right? I mean, let, let's talk about this, all right? And if you want to go, let the Holy Spirit be your guide, okay? I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that um, you have to confess everything to your spouse or your children. You better let the Holy Ghost lead you on that, okay? There are some things that need to be left alone, right? Let bygones be bygones, so to speak. Um, I was talking to a gentleman and... He had gone to a prayer room, and in that prayer room, they had him fill out some information, and they wanted to know all about his past sexual encounters. And it was like, hang on, wait a minute. Some of that stuff's under the blood of Jesus. <laughs> we don't need to be bringing it back up, right? And so we have to be, we have to be careful with some of that stuff. We can get into some, uh, I'll just call it, we can get into some witchcraft if we're not careful, okay? But, so when a sin, when a sin happens... Its main goal is to take us away from God, to distract us, pull us further away from God, right? To separate us, to cut us off from God, right? But because of Jesus and his sacrifice, that doesn't have to be. As a matter of fact, um, I used to work at Copper Kettle, and they have this thing in there called the Enrober. So raw candy gets put on one end, and about 17,000 miles on the other end, where I was, the, the coated candy would come out and you would box it, Okay. But it goes through a process, and it gets um, chocolate dipped on it and on the bottom, and it goes through this long cooling tunnel because they can't cool it immediately because it'll gray the chocolate, so they have to cool it in, in zones. And this thing, have, have you ever saw I Love Lucy when she was doing the... Yeah. It don't happen like that, okay? It's like, ah. Oh. 
I mean, you're, you're reaching into the belt grabbing candy because it's so slow, right? And then you're like, I wonder if I could almost let this fall off and then start. I mean, you, you, it'll mess with your mind, okay? But on the end rover side of it, there's this fountain of chocolate that just pours out of this bucket. It's, it's being poured back over. And as the candy goes through it, whatever it is, caramel or whatever, and it comes out, you, you don't even recognize it, right? Because it's covered in chocolate. And so the guy, before it goes into the cooling tunnel, has a marking tool. And as it comes out, he, he marks it. And a candy maker can read those markings and know what's in that candy. You know, so if it has a, um, if you ever went over there when, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Grace was over there. She was a hand dipper. And I don't know how the woman did it, but she would grab like a piece of nougat, roll it, slide over into the chocolate, and pick up this hand and set it and then mark it with a, a string of chocolate. And just all day, Right. But those markings mean something. As a Christian, we're on the enrober and we're raw. And we go through this process, right? And the blood of Jesus hits us, boom, and we're not recognizable, right? And then the marker, the maker, puts his mark on us, boop, and then now we can see what's going on. Let me say this too. In a Christian's life, the gospel demands change. You cannot say, I love the Lord and continue to live the life that you live. Now, let me explain that a little bit. I'll go back to Todd White's testimony. Drug addict, drug dealer, doing stuff he shouldn't have been doing. Wanted to end his life. He was going to shoot his nine-year-old little daughter, his wife, and then take the gun and kill himself. Okay? Goes to Dan White's church. Opens up this big metro yellow pages, right? Okay, young people. Back in the day, they used to print a book that had everybody's phone numbers in it, okay? But he opened it up to churches and went, boom, and stuck his finger. And it was Dan White's church. He picks up the phone. He said, I wanted to give you, who? Oh, what did I say? Oh, I'm sorry. I got Todd White and Dan all mixed up. Todd Moeller and Dan White. Yeah. Dan Moeller. Picks up the phone, calls him, and he's going to give him a piece of his mind. And, you know, he says, well, why don't you come down? So he shows up. They talk. Anyway, at the end of the conversation, Todd's wanting to commit suicide, basically. And he says, won't you give your life to somebody who wants it? And he's like, who want it? God, the one who gave you life. And so he ends up giving himself to the Lord right there, gets saved. And we all go, what? Right? Well, two days later, three days later, he calls Dan. And he says, man, I did it again. He said, what are you talking about? He said, I went out and binged on cocaine. He said, all right, good, Todd. He said, what do you mean, good? You didn't hear me. I'm binging on cocaine. It's not good. He said, whoa, 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 hang on. Three days ago, you wouldn't have cared. You're calling me now saying, hey, I did this. Guess what? There's change in your heart. Why are we so adamant? Because here's the thing. In our thinking, Dan goes out and sins and binges on cocaine. There's no way he could possibly go to heaven. He's a cocaine? No, cocaine will send you straight to hell. But everywhere in the Bible where you see murderers and adulterers, you see little bitty sins like gossiping, backbiting. What? Those aren't the same category. I beg your pardon. What I'm saying is this. If a sin causes you to go to hell, all of us are in a heap load of trouble. We would have to get saved every 30 seconds. Let me ask you this. Do you have to confess all your sins to go to heaven? (laughs) Prove it. 
Can't tell me just no. Prove it. Y'all, I wish y'all could see Melissa's face. She's like, when this is over, I'm stabbing you with this pen. You got to get that out of your mind, girl. <clears throat> yes, I mean, I'm, I'm picking on Melissa. If you had to remember every sin that you ever committed, you couldn't. Because the Bible tells us in um, James 4 and 7, to know to do good and don't do it is a sin. See, we think it's just bad stuff. Cocaine and, you know, telling people they're number one with only one finger. I mean, all the, right, we, all the, the sin stuff, right? And the Bible tells us that if we know to do good and we don't do it, that's a sin. We're missing the mark. Sin is an archery term. Sin means to miss the mark. An archer stands back, draws his bow, lets the arrow go, and if it misses the mark, he has sinned. Missed the mark. That's why Paul says, I press towards the mark of perfection. I'm always aiming at the bullseye. Always. I know that I may not ever hit it in this life, but that's where I'm aiming. (coughs) Excuse me. We've heard... If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. The Western culture has been very bad about aiming for nothing in Christianity. We become Christians. We become converts, and that's it. That's why a lot of young people are going, why should I, why why do I want to come over there? I mean, everything that you're doing is the same thing I'm doing, except you put Jesus in the middle of it. You know, we used to talk about, you know, the Holy Spirit being with you all the time. Does he go the same places that you go? Holy Spirit, we're just going to zip in over here to Cheyenne's right quick. And we laugh because it's such a crazy idea, right? But it's like, no, does he? I mean, if he lives inside of you, you're taking him everywhere you go. You think there's sometimes the Holy Spirit's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, Miss Jean, that they're flying and they're like, "Hunt, I don't know if we can go in here." (laughs) Yes, ma'am. I knew it was coming. Do you want my hermeneutical, philosophical, theological answer, or do you just want a yes or a no? Okay. I'm and I'm playing here. Okay, so Kelly's saved, and you're not. Okay? She has angels with her. You have angels with you. She has demonic angels that are with her. You have demonic angels that are with you. Just as you have a guardian angel, there are demonic angels that have been assigned to you from birth. What we call those in the occultic world is familiar spirits. That's why somebody can read your palm. That's why somebody can look into a crystal ball. That's why somebody can say... Um, your grand- now, let me just say this, okay? There are things that people do, tricks, okay? And there have been Christians that have used tricks. Um, it's called forcing, okay? Like a magician. All right, I've got three cards. All right, I want you to pick any color, any color okay? Name an animal that starts with a B. All of this stuff is to get you to get to a certain place. They're, they are making the choice for you. They're just making you think that you're making that choice. But you're not, okay? Now, there are some people that actually operate in 
uh, we would call it prophetic or seer in the demonic realm. They can see too. All right? But they're plugged into the wrong outlet. They're plugged into death. We plug into life. All right? What they don't know, most of them, is what it's going to cost them at the end. All right? A white witch. Okay? No such thing. You're a witch. You can call yourself white. You can call yourself Grandolph the Gray. I don't care. Okay? But if you're practicing witchcraft, you're a witch. Okay? Um, to say that, well, here's what Jesus said. He starts casting out demons and they say, well, you're of the devil. And he says, well, boys, this house ain't very big. It ain't very strong because a house divided is going to fall. I mean, if I'm, if I'm of the devil, why am I casting the devil out? Right? So we see people say, well, I can, I'm, I'm a good witch. I'm a good sorcerer. I'm a good whatever. <laughs> I, I take care of these spirits over here. Da, 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 da. Maybe. But guess what? At some point in time, they're going to come for you, and you're not going to be able to cast them out. You're not going to be able to just get rid of them. How many remember that old song, Carmen's, uh, Witch's Invitation, right? And you tell them, what are you going to do in the middle of the night when they come to drag your body to hell? Who are you going to cry out to then? Gandalf? You know, and I'm not, I'm not beating on Gandalf here or anything. I'm just, some of you are like, who's Gandalf? Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so, so, what are you going to do then, Right? I know Jesus. That's why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they go to the fire, they say, listen, the Lord's going to deliver us. Whether it's through the fire or by the fire, we don't care, but he's going to deliver us. If we burn up, we're saved. If he comes and says, we don't care. They actually showed what it means to overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of the testimony, and loving not their life even unto death. Even though they didn't have the blood of the Lamb yet. They were doing it in that, in that essence. So, short answer, yes. We have angelic hosts that are with us, um, that are watching over us. Those are the lower angel, lower angel levels, which we've been talking about, kind of started on Sunday. <clears throat> then you've got middle angels, upper angels, and then your high angels, right? Which is the cherubim, seraphim, and the throne angels. Yes. Yes. The, and let me say this. Um, it's not like they're... Um, how do I say this? It's not like in the TV show where you have an angel pop up one side and a devil pop up the other, right? But there's angels. Um, there again, let's go back to um, Hen and Nim's deal here. Uh, Kelly, um, yeah. What was I saying? <laughs> Kelly, Hannah, Hannah, Kelly, whatever, you know. Let's go back to unsaved, saved. So as an unsaved, are my angels flying around going, oh, no. They're held back in reserve, if you will. But they're, they've been assigned to you. Hey, look at this one. Okay. Their hands are tied, right? But when that person says, man, Jesus, yes. There they are, right? I believe that there is actually an influence. This is personal opinion. I believe that there's influences just like we say, um, why does uh, bad stuff happen to good people? Why does good stuff happen to bad people? 
I mean, that's really the mercy of God, if you want to think about it. Absolute mercy of God, right? Somebody we know that's horrible, wretched, terrible, and we would just, if we were God, we would just snuff them out, right? And they have something happen to them. Um, I, <laughs> funny story. Now, this guy, I mean, he's not a horrible, terrible person, okay? At this time, he was trying to kind of basically decide, um, that's a bad word. He was searching, okay? And knew about God, and I think everybody knows about God, so to speak, but it's kind of like, I don't know, I'm, you know, really. So he was sitting in a warehouse one day um, on a bucket, and around him are these huge industrial metal uh, shelving that's got tons of things stacked on them, okay? And he's sitting on a bucket, and they're eating lunch, and he said, <clears throat> I heard an audible voice tell me I needed to move. He said, I'm eating my sandwich, and I looked around. And he said, there was some other people there, and he said, did y'all hear that? And they said, what? Hmm. So he eats a sandwich, and he heard it again. And so it bothered him. And so he said, I thought, okay, I probably ought to move. So he gets up, and he tells them, hey, I think we need to move over here. And they're like, what? He said, no, really, let's do it. So they get up and they move. He said, we, we literally moved to this spot, and I heard, bing! And a pin broke in like the third deck of one of these deals, and all of that material landed right where they were sitting, bam, and crushed the stuff that they were sitting on, sending all the material. They would have killed them. And he said, Blankety blank blank. I know there's a blankety blank God. <laughs> I said, yeah. I, there again, we get upset because sinners act like sinners. So many people that have watched Todd White videos and Dan Moeller and them going out in the streets and praying for people and, you know, guys on crutches and they're like, hey, let me pray for you, man. And they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. So they pray for him. They're like, hey, test it out. And they're like, mother, son of a mock him. <laughs> beep, 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 right? <coughs> they don't know how to express themselves except for that way. And sometimes if we're not careful, we'll become religious and we'll go, well, they're going to lose their healing. <laughs> well, if you take it away from them, I guess. <laughs> Look at them and be like, you can't talk like that. What the blank did I say? <laughs> I've had people say that. What do you mean? I mean, I didn't tell them, you can't talk like that. But It's funny too, if I'm Monty, they'll say whatever. But if I'm pastor, oh, oh, I'm pa bro, you do not have to confess to me, <laughs> okay? Yeah, I can't, I can't help you, <laughs> not in that sense. I mean, I, I'm not the one that's going to look at you and be like, hey, I will say that the Bible says some things about that, but um, on the, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, that's a hard thing for me to explain because when we, when we talked about this, he said, that's the, that's the day I knew there was a God. And, and this day he says that he believes, now he does not attend a church. He does not do, I don't, and I'm, I'm judging here in the sense that I don't think that he has any kind of regular Bible interaction or anything. You know, everybody prays whether they realize that or not, you know, going down the road and man, <laughs> Man, God, hope you send me a deer today. You know, all those kinds of things, right? Because <laughs> Saturday, that's where we're going. Amen. So where 
Yeah, you tell me, Kim. <laughs> Here's the thing, and as we begin to study more about the angels on Sunday, um, we're going to find out we say things like, God told me, okay? And it probably wasn't God. It was probably an angelic host because they do his bidding, okay? Now, is it, fair, is it not right to say, God told me? No, it's actually perfectly fine because God is telling you. He's just, so it'd be like me going to Christian and saying, hey, would you tell Kim, right? Am I asking you or am I telling you? Yes, but I'm using a mediator to do it. So there's no, no difference. We, we, sometimes we get hung up in sometimes the semantics of it. Um, but we see that, yes, there are angels that appear to men and they say, thus saith the Lord. Just like when Jesus said um, about the Holy Spirit, says when he speaks to you, he's not going to speak on his own behalf. He's only going to be speaking what the Father says, right? There again, I don't want to put things into a box and say, when you hear a voice, it's an angel, okay? When you hear a voice, it can be the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. Sometimes we have that knower that goes off inside of us, right? I mean, you really, um, I would say probably the most times that I've ever heard God, it comes from right here, which is the Holy Spirit, right? There are other times when I hear things that are like, you know, they're again, move, don't, you know, yes, I think sometimes that's the angelic host. It, there was an angelic host when we had our wreck, um, back in 1986 or whatever, when I tried to kill Sherry. Um, a guy ran us off the road, me, her, and my best friend. Uh, my best friend, Sherry, was sitting in the middle. Uh, nobody had seatbelts on because we didn't need them. We were tough. And um, <clears throat> I had an old uh, Monte Carlo and the dash V'd right in the middle, like you had your, your instrument cluster, and then the pastor had one, so that V right there. A uh, car ran us off uh, Mount Grove Road where the big Popeye thing is now. Um, anyway, it was bad, really bad, and so it knocked us all out. I came to first. I don't know how long I was out. It doesn't, it, in my memory, it doesn't seem like very long, but Sherry had blood all over her chest, and of course, she's, she's slumped over like this, kind of down into the seat, and blood's all over. My friend is turned backwards, laying over the back seat, and he begins, and I said, <coughs> Lord, who do I give CPR to first? And, and Joe began to go, oh. And I was like, okay, at least he's breathing, right? So I love him. He turned around and said, my face. Did I cut my face? <laughs> so Sherry's there, and uh, she finally begins to come to. And I can't get the car door open because we've, we've launched off into a tree. Back wheels are on the ground. Front wheels are off probably about, I don't know, maybe three feet off the ground. And it's hit the door, and I can't. So I turn around in my seat. Now, you ask. I weigh 145 pounds soaking wet with two 10-pound rocks in my pocket, okay? So I'm sitting literally from here to this podium. Somehow I got my legs up and kicked the door open. I couldn't do that on my own. Now, we can say, well, your adrenaline stuff. Yeah, but I had help, yeah. right? So we get her uh, out of the car, and the, the boy that we had just taken home, uh, his dad was coming home that night. He never... Comes home at midnight. We, it was baccalaureate night. We went to the baccalaureate deal, and we went to this friend's grandmother's house, and we swam. Took him home. Me and Sherry and Joe were coming back down. Luckily, we weren't in Joe's car, which was a Trans Am made of fiberglass. We was in a good American steel. And uh, so anyway, uh, long story short, she goes and gets stitched up and all that kind of good stuff, and everything's fine. But yes, I believe that there was an angelic host. Um, the time that the car passed through my the dump truck passed through my car, I, don't, I couldn't tell you if that was Holy Spirit, angel, whatever, but something made us pass through each other. That's all I can tell you. Yes, ma'am. Well, I can't remember exactly how. It's all kinds yeah. of... 
And that's what I'm saying. I don't want to... I don't want y'all to hear me saying that this is how this works and it's like this and, and, and it's methodical, right? The Holy Spirit can do what the Holy Spirit does. He knows how to do things, right? And so whether it's an angel or whether it's the Holy Spirit or what, it's, it's God, right? Those God. angels are waiting yes. for someone to Some of y'all's angels have been sitting on their hands for a long time. <laughs> Some of them get a little bit fat, if you know what I mean. Because they're just sitting up in heaven, partaking of all the good fruit, right? And it's like, man, we need something to do. We got to get, I mean, here's the thing. I was thinking about this today. In the Western understanding of Christianity, if I go through any kind of pain or discomfort, I must, must be doing something wrong. Now, granted, sometimes bad things happen because you make wrong decisions, okay? But what I'm saying is this. When have you ever given your angel something to do that was dangerous, Okay? Heidi Baker one time uh, in Mozambique, uh, she was flying back. They had a layover. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run through this story real quick. They had a layover, like a four-and-a-half, five-hour layover um, somewhere. I can't remember the, exactly where they were in Africa, but they were going back to Mozambique, a heavily Muslim population um, where they were at. So they got all this time, and she says, hey, let's go, to, let's go get a car. Let's go to the village. So her entourage, they load up and they go into this one village and they're driving around there like right here. She whips the car over. Now, you got to understand, she, okay? Let's go. Let's understand what's going around. Um, Hamas, Hezbollah, Islam, they do not look at ladies favorably, okay? So she gets out of her car and she goes into this village and she says, bring me your blind, bring me your deaf, bring me those who are sick. Let's, come on. And the men begin to reach down and pick up rocks, and so she stands up on her car and, and she says to herself, not to herself, but like, hello. She's like, Lord, if you don't show up today, I'm coming to see you. Because <laughs> she realized, I'm, I mean, they're going to stone me, right? <coughs> so they finally push this young man who's 20s somewhat up to her. And, they, and she's like, what's going on? And I believe he was, um, I don't, he was deaf or blind. One, I don't remember. She prays for him, and he gets healed. Instantaneously, he hears, sees, I can't remember which one it was. And he begins to express this, that he's healed. All of the men in the village that are holding rocks begin to drop their rocks. She preaches the gospel to them. The one who has healed this boy, his, his name is Jesus. And he has come to save the world. Da, 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 da. Come to find out this boy was the tribal chief's son. The whole village rejects Islam and becomes saved. <clears throat> so she says, the scripture in the Bible that says, can a city be won in a day? Yes. But you better have some angelic protection. <laughs> I mean, seriously. My uncle tells a story of being in Africa and they were, praying, or they were going to bed one night. Two o'clock in the morning, the spirit prompts them to get up. Okay? Now, let me say this. The Holy Spirit had not yet come fully like we understand it, okay? But if you remember in the Bible, when Paul and Peter, when they were in prison, who came to them? It was the angel, right? And they, and they physically touched them, right? We watch too much Hollywood like when the ghosts touch them, it goes through them and stuff, right? But he physically woke them up. Get up. Yeah. Get up. Huh? What? What? And here's what's interesting. If you saw a ghost in your house 
And they were standing over you and they said, get up, get up. Would you be like, okay, or would you be like, what is this? Because in our mind, we think that this angel is going, get up, right? But in angelology, there's good evidence that the lower level angels, some of them are actually made to look like humans. And it's abnormal for them to change into something different. We think that they're supposed to have wings and diapers, and they change into humans, right? But that's not necessarily the case, okay? So, he was, they said that the Spirit woke them up at 2 o'clock in the morning. They began to pray in their, in their little huts until the Lord released them. They went back to bed. The next morning when they get up, um, they go outside, and the neighboring tribe is there all in their war paint with all their warriors. And they said, we came last night to destroy y'all, to, to, to murder you. We're going to take, take y'all out. And they had laid all their weapons and stuff down, and they said, we want to make a truce with you. And so the village chief that my uncle was there witnessing to said, why do you want to make a truce? And said, well, when we came last night to fight you, to destroy you, um, we were scared by the um, warriors that you had who were 9 and 10 feet tall and had swords that were on fire. And we, do, we, don't, we want to make truce with you. <laughs> and so they did. And so, and there again, it's not like when we make truce, you know, um, do you promise to, yeah, I, I promise. You know, I mean, they don't, no, it was, it was good. And I think eventually that tribe actually even came to know the Lord too. So what, I'm, what does this have to do with what, is, what does sin look like in a Christian's life, right? Well, some of it not, but as we go through some of this stuff, they're going to lead us into some paths where we go, okay, this is interesting. It ties into this stuff. Um, how, does, does it, how does it make God feel? Do you think God has emotions? You think God has emotions? Why? Okay. I'm not trying to pick on anybody, okay? But to my point, when you're asked a question, what the world's looking for, what does the Bible say? We all have opinions. And in the big scheme of things, it don't matter what our opinions are, right? It matters what the Word says. Now, don't get me wrong. When I say you can't have an opinion, what I'm saying is you can't make the Bible fit you. You have to fit the Bible, right? You don't, this is not one size fits all kind of a thing where you go, well, I think God, no, what does the Scripture say? And if it means you have to change your idea, then change your idea, right? And I'm not talking about one Scripture that somebody's made an entire theology off of. That's not what I'm talking about. <clears throat> doctrine. I'm saying, when you see this in, so yes, there are, there are scriptures throughout this, the Bible that says God was grieved. I mean, think about this. He's fixing to destroy the whole world and said God was, God was repentant that he made men. <laughs> it doesn't mean that he was sorry like, oh, I should have never made them. He was going, I made these people and they have screwed around and messed this thing so bad we're going to talk about this. Um, we may get into it Sunday. But as a Christian, let me just ask this, and, and you don't have to raise your hand, but how many's ever in your heart kind of had a hard, like, uh, uh, wrestled with the fact that a loving God would destroy all these people? Babies, all of it. Anybody ever struggle with that? It's just me. Me and Floyd. Me and Floyd struggle with it. Oh, oh y'all did too? Okay. I said... <laughs> That, I'm just saying, you don't have to. I want you to. 
Raise your, okay, raise your hand if you ever struggle with that. All right, good. But you have these questions. You're like, okay. And sometimes we read those and we go, okay, it's just the way God did it. His ways are higher than our ways, right? Well, that's a good Christian slogan. And they are. Right, and we don't understand, so we go, God's ways are higher than ours, brother. Well, here's the deal. If you read Genesis, the reason that he destroyed man, mankind, is because of the Nephilim. The Nephilim were half spirit, half uh, human. They were, they were watchers in the day, and they fell in the sense that they looked upon uh, the daughters of man. So if you go to Genesis 6 and start reading there, you're going to see the Nephilims in your Bible. And if you go to, oh man, you're going to make me go down this trail. Um, okay, we're going to talk about this Sunday too. Um, how many's ever heard of the lost books of the Bible? Okay. How many go, I don't know what you're talking about? Okay. Thanks for being honest. So, back in the day when the Torah, the Talmud, all these things were being prepared, there were other texts that were found with the Dead Sea Scrolls, okay? One of those being uh, 1st, 2nd Enoch, 1st, uh, 2nd, 3rd Ezra, uh, Jubilee, Tobit, um, the Maccabees. <coughs> I'm going to miss a couple. Anyway, there was, there was about 88 books, okay? And over time, we'll go into this more detail Sunday, over time, some of these books got kicked out, okay? Now, now here's the deal. There's a 54-book apocryphal, which, which is out there. I don't agree with some of the things there, okay? Um, some of them are fake phonies and frauds. Let's just say it that way, okay? But how many know that Enoch was mentioned in the Bible? Several times, okay? So if we go to Peter and we go to Jude, they both quote him. As a matter of fact, Jesus actually quotes Enoch in the scriptures, okay? So you say, well, what are you saying? The Bible says we're not supposed to add to or take away anything from this book, right? Well, it's talking about Revelation. It's not talking about the whole 66 books. It's talking about Revelation. So there again, interpret scripture properly, Okay, now, yes, so here's the thing. How do you know that the 66 books that you read were the original? Can I tell you this? You don't. <laughs> Maybe somebody did take them away. There again, I don't have time in a Sunday or even a Wednesday to go into this. Go look into it. Go look at the uh, Council of Constantinople. Go look at the, the, uh, uh, the Council at Nisi and see what they did to dissect the 66 books that you have. They wanted to kick out Esther. They wanted to kick out First Peter um, and Jude because they, they quoted Enoch. And then they come back and said, well, they didn't really quote Enoch. No, if you have one of those Bibles, which I do, and you go read Enoch, they were quoting Enoch, okay? <laughs> Enoch chapter 40. They were, they were quoting him. <laughs> so Enoch gives us an explanation of what was going on. If you don't know who Enoch was, um, he was in, in Cain's line, and he was Noah's grandfather, great-grandfather. Methuselah was his grandfather. So Enoch, huh? Brother? Yeah. So Enoch writes this book down, and he gives us a more detailed account of what happened. Now, are you saying that you believe? Well, yeah, there are some parts of that that I do because it lines up with Scripture, Okay. 
I don't preach out of Enoch or anything like that, or you know. But there are some things in there that are very um, enlightening, if you will. If you've got the oldest known Bible um, known to man, it would be called the Ethiopian Bible, and it has eighty-eight books, which are these ones that were found with the Dead Sea Scrolls. Okay, and there's a lot of history in them. All right, so I say that to say this. I preface that to say this. We don't discount Josephus, who was a historian at that time, and he wrote what he saw. He was not a Christian. But there are many pastors and teachers and stuff that will quote Josephus to say, see, number one, Jesus was a physical person who walked physically on the earth. Josephus records it. He has no dog in the hunt. He's not even a believer that most people believe, right? And so there's some other, just, uh, um, um, yes, help me, Justin Martyr. He wrote historically. We talk about the things that he wrote about. We don't preach him to be the gospel truth, okay? So all that to say this. Enoch gives us a little insight as to these watchers, all right, that fell, which they were fallen angels. <coughs> they were given charge. They were, they were angelic beings at this time, okay? So they get to looking down at men, and they go, man, <laughs> I got some pretty good-looking daughters down there. So lust and stuff began to get a hold of them, and they actually came down and had sex with women and produced Nephilim, okay? Well, yes. Um, well, yeah, they do. They make Nephilims. <laughs> but they do not, yeah, they were created beings, and they don't have, they don't need to reproduce God's already created all he's going to create. That's part of the reason that they received the punishment that they did because they violated, if you will, angelic law, right? Yes. Their, their posture or position, so to speak. Yes, ma'am. Let's go back to the original intent. Hold, hold that thought because you're on to something. Let's go back to the original intent. God creates. The devil corrupts, right? So this is an attempt. It's a seed war. Where do we see this at um, in Greek mythology? The centaurs. Okay. Hold that thought because we're on to something and you're going to make me preach my sermon Sunday, okay? So here's the thing. So when the Nephilim came down and started having sex with women, they corrupted women, okay, or, or the human race, all right? Not only were they having sex with women, they started having sex with animals, they corrupted the animals. And so God looks down and he sees this and he says, if I don't intervene, I'm going to lose the entire human race. So he finds this one guy in this family who the Bible says that he was righteous, right? And he puts him on an ark and he seals him up. Now remember in this, he tells Noah to build this boat. It took him 120 years to build a boat, okay? So God looks down and he says, man, things are getting, getting bad. What was happening is men and women we're beginning to make covenant with these Nephilim. These Nephilim, and some believe there are some that were 300 feet tall. 300 feet. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that was all of them, but generally speaking, a Nephilim was a very large person. Quote, a giant. A Goliath. An Og. Well, I don't think they started out like <laughs> that. <laughs> Miss Jean, you're, we're going to have to excuse you, Miss Jean. 
<laughs> now remember, at, at this time, these remember what we we're talking about too. Angels had the appearance of men. Check this out. Watch this. So Abraham is going to Sodom and Gomorrah. All right. And who appeared to him at Sodom and Gomorrah? What does your Bible say? How many? How many? It said three. We got to go there. You're not going to believe me. Genesis. Let's go to Genesis. Let me find it real quick. No, 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 no. You're good. You're good. You are good. I believe it's, I want to say it's 18, but let me make sure. Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed. Um, uh, yeah, right, right here, 18. Uh, uh, went and see him the way to hide. Uh, in 10. Uh, we could, no, we need to go and, and find. Hang on. Um, okay. 18, yeah, three angels show up, okay? Now, <coughs> excuse me. Um, verse 2, 18, 2. He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. Abraham saw three men. He did not see three angels. He saw three men. But we know they're angels because the Bible tells us a little bit later. One angel was the angel of the Lord. Who's the angel of the Lord? Jesus. Yeshua. The pre-incarnate. Right? So Jesus comes down and he brings two of these angels with him. Alright? You don't think they're bad? Jesus and two angels take out a whole entire population. There are angels that are in charge of nature. What I mean by that? Rain. Storms. Wind. There's an angel of the wind. Remember... For every God's created all of his purpose, there is a negative side, right? The devil. So you say, well, the insurance company says, an act of God knocked your roof off your house. No, an act of the devil. It was angelic. <laughs> it was demonic, <laughs> okay? A wind that's godly is the wind that when Israel was in the Six-Day War, and there was an Israeli soldier tank that was surrounded by uh, Syrian tanks, and he tells his crew, we're fixing to die. And a wind comes up and blows sandstorm everywhere. And they can't see him, but he can see them. That's a godly wind. <laughs> and he goes, and he starts shooting all the tanks around him. Like 10 or 12 tanks. I don't, I don't remember. If you've never read the Six-Day War, you ought to get that. Written from a historical perspective, not even a Christian. And they cannot believe the stories that's in this book. They flew their airplanes after flying a sortie, and they land them, and they said, we need to fuel up. And the pilots go off to a briefing, and the, the guy runs up and says, we got no more fuel. He says, all right, here's what we do. Go stick the hoses in the plane. Act like you're fueling. Go through all the process. Disable the fuel gauges. What? Just do what I'm telling you. Keep your mouth shut. They do. So the pilots run back out, and they said, okay, in the briefing, hey, by the way, guys, we've got a problem with our, we don't have time to stop and fix it, but we've got fuel issues, we, but, but we've filled you up, go. They would go do their sorties, and they would fly back and land. No gas. Who's carrying them? All right? They would, you say, well, God put gas in their tank. Maybe. Maybe an angel was going, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's why when we start reading stuff <coughs> about Israel, 
and, and Hamas and all this Palestinian stuff, pro-Palestinian stuff. We're going to see Israel wiped off the face. Guess what? You ain't going to see it, Jack. Because the Bible says Israel is forever. Guess after what? When this thing is annihilated, it's over, and God destroys this earth. Guess where he's coming back to? Jerusalem. <laughs> Israel. Because Israel is forever. It's not going to happen. So three men show up to Abraham. Three men. One of them is the Son of God. All right? And he's, he's uh, mentioned as the angel of the Lord. Right? <coughs> yes. These other two angels go to Sodom and Gomorrah. And they pronounce judgment on that place. And when they pronounce judgment, ooh, it's bad. Now, were they doing it on their own accord? Nope. They were following the Lord's orders. And they were very obedient because they understand what the consequences of not being obedient is. You go to hell. It's what happened to the devil and his follower, if you will. A lot of people don't understand that there was uh, two of them that actually fell. The angel of life who became the angel of death, and he's the one that's locked in Tartus right now. You can't say that now. Go study it. You don't have to believe what I'm telling you. I mean, go study it. It's in there, right? A third of the angels was not a third of their population. A third was the six archangels, and Satan was one of them, which that's not his name, remember. That's just his title. Him and this angel of light, they, they messed up. Some believe that this angel of light actually partook in the sexual part of the Nephilims, and that's what got him kicked out. And Satan was smart enough to know, hey, I can't do that because if I do, I'm going to get the same judgment. i gotta, I got to stay up here, right? So if you do simple math... If you have six and you take away two parts, that's two-thirds, right? So you got a third, a third, a third. So that's the third that fell, okay? So in this, they sinned. There again, sin. The angels have free will, okay? They can make their own choices. They choose to serve God. God doesn't make them serve Him. We see this. These two that didn't, but they paid an ultimate price for that, right? So I want to get to this before we... Before we close, Galatians 5. Let's go to Galatians. If you don't know where that's at, look in your front of the book and it'll tell you right where it is. Just keep, just keep thumbing. You get about Romans and Corinthians and you'll start seeing some books in there. Uh, oops, I went too far. Um, Galatians 5. Um. Galatians 5. Now, Galatians was written to Christians, okay? So when we're studying the scriptures and we're looking at these things, we need to know who is God talking to and why was he talking to them, right? Who was, who was Peter, um, uh, Paul, all them, and Mary when they were, uh, not Mary, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Some of y'all caught that. <laughs> when Peter and Paul and them were talking, who were they talking to? Were they talking to unbelievers? Were they talking to Christians or people who were following Yeshua at that time? So, uh, uh, chapter 5, my title says Freedom in Christ. If you go down to number 19, it says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfless ambitions, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. 
Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So is he saying if you partake in one of these, you can't inherit the kingdom of God? Huh? Practice. How much is practice? How many times is practice? Two times? 20 times. 200 times. Okay. So, but we just talked about Todd binging on cocaine. His heart was... So where do you see this? I mean, how do you, how do you look at this? How do you go, hmm, wait a minute, what? So you're saying if I went to a wild party, I'm not going to inherit the kingdom. So let's go back to this. So Brian says repentance, right? And so let's stay on your line, your line of thinking. Does the Bible give us any kind of indicator what we should be doing if we find ourselves in a place that we're practicing sin or we're in an addiction that it's like, man, how do I, how do I defeat this thing in my life? Does the Bible tell us anything about that? It says what? Okay. Now remember, don't get me wrong, and I'm not saying any of you are wrong, but you guys are going to the nice side of Jesus, okay? Jesus got kind of a, it's, it's love, it's pure love, but most people go, man, that sounds kind of mean. Go ahead. Well, here's the thing too. Adultery doesn't have to be a physical act. Porn. Porn can be that. Huh? It's in your heart. Yeah. Give me just a second here. Yes, ma'am. Well, and here's what well, we just talked about that at the very beginning. Remember, sin has a wage and it's death. If you keep living a certain way, some people are going to die early. Yes, ma'am. Right. And here's the thing. So as we walk this thing out, God says that we've got this small, narrow road, right? And what sin does is as we're walking, <coughs> excuse me, if, if when we sin, it takes us away from God, okay? Now, let me explain it this way. So I was what they call a mortarman. In the Marine Corps, we shot 81 millimeter mortars three and a half miles away and put them in trash cans, okay? <clears throat> Your compass has 360 degrees on it. <coughs> Excuse me. I had a lifesaver. It wasn't. <clears throat> um, I, I was thinking that might help coat my throat a little bit, but I'm like, well, okay, maybe I shouldn't have. 360 degrees in a circle. If we use degrees to shoot our munitions... We could be dumping fire on friendlies, okay? So they took a compass and made it 6,400 mils, okay? Now, <coughs> to give you, to break that down for you, if you use 6,400 mils and you shot a rocket to the moon using 6,400 mils and you were off one mil, you would end up at Pluto because you're not aiming... Hunters, 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 be hunters. Aim small, hit small, right? We don't shoot at a deer. We shoot at a hair on the deer, right? We're aiming small. If you aim like that, some of us, I mean, I'm just kidding. Um, 
some of us, or, or when you shoot a long ways off, so if you're off a little bit, like this, as you start going further and further out, it gets wider and wider and wider, right? That's what sin does. Sin starts off little, but if we stay in it, it starts veering us off of the path so far that we turn around and go, well, I'm lost. Where am I at? Right? <coughs> I don't know the way back home. Take you farther than you go. And here's the thing. We want God's blessings. But why would God put gas in your car so you could travel down roads that you were never intended to travel down? It didn't happen that way. Right? So, what the Holy Spirit does is He comes in and we're walking along here and sin bumps us off the trail and He goes, no, no, no. Hey, boy, what? And this ain't right. Oh, yeah. And so there's this thing that we have called repentance, right? I'm not repenting because I need to be saved again. I'm repenting because I'm saying, man, I'm, I blew this. I missed the mark. And so, God, I, I need you to help. Give me some correction here, Lord. Show me the right way to do this thing, right? <coughs> and that's when the Holy Spirit comes and says, I got you. Now, here's the strong word. We'll, we'll wrap this up. Matthew 5 Jesus is talking to a bunch of people on the side of a mountain, all right? And he makes this statement that's really, really um, hard. I mean, you go, what? 5 and verse 29, Jesus says, So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your good hand, right hand, that's what good hand means, stronger hand. All the left-handed people said, uh-uh. Even your stronger hand caused you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. What's he saying? Listen, if you've got to make some extreme measures to make this thing happen, do it. Because eternity's in the balance. You may have to make some hard decisions. Now, please... Anybody listen on podcast? Anybody listen here in the sound of my voice? I did not say literally to gouge your eye out or cut your hand off, okay? Don't say, well, is this in a podcast? No. I'm making a legal disclaimer here. Metaphorically speaking, Jesus is saying, listen, if you have to do some extreme stuff, you know what? <coughs> Excuse me. If porn is something that you struggle with, you may have to go get a flip phone. Take all your computers out of your house. Turn off your... Uh, Netflix and all that stuff. Get rid of it. Do it. It's hard. Do it. <laughs> yeah, but I think I can. No, you can't because in your moment of weakness, I was on uh, two years ago. I was looking for a motor for my boat. All right. And I was on all these sites. I was on um, uh, Facebook. I was on. Uh, Fort Smith garage sales, Crawford County garage sales, Arkansas boat people, um, you know, seven or eight, ten groups, okay? And this one group, and I'm not going to tell you who it was, but this one particular group that I was on, I get a, a, a notification because I had put in there, you know, you create algorithms, right? And so I had put, <coughs> or because of what I was doing, it created an algorithm, and I get a notification. And I go, boink, and as soon as I opened it, it was a video of bestiality. I said, what in the world? So I click off of it. And I don't think anything about it in the sense I'm like, okay, 
Somebody has hacked in. But the administrator of this group is probably going to see that and they're going to take it off. So I wasn't too, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't struggle with that. So it's not a big thing for me. It didn't cause me to fall off the wagon or anything like that. But I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to see that junk, right? So I click it. About two days later, I get another one. So I open it up. It's another bestiology, bestiality video. And I'm like, you got to be kidding. Now, this time, I'm frustrated because I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to be like, hey, administrator, what, what makes me go, oh, you can't see this, but you can get mad on YouTube when I say COVID shot or mandate or anything like that? Are you kidding me? So I was busy. I couldn't do anything right then. So I said, tonight, when I get home, I need to remember to write the administrator and say, hey, what's going on? I get another one. By this time, I'm like, forget it. Whoop, delete the group. Shoop, I'm done. Somebody that struggles with that may not be able to do that. Man, I'm doing so good. I've been four days clean. And we say that like it's like, oh, man, you know, four days. Hey, four days. Yeah. Fast for four days and see if four days don't seem like an eternity. <laughs> Longest I fasted was 27 days. And I thought my, my belly button thought my throat had got cut or something. Because it was like, right? Actually, it wasn't too bad. After about five or six days, your, your hunger leaves you. It goes away. And then when your hunger comes back, that's when you should start eating again. Do not, if you go on an extended fast, do not break it with a pizza parlor pizza from Alma. It's not a good idea. We had a youth event. I was a youth pastor at that time. And I was hungry. And they were like, hey, we're having pizza. I ate a piece of sausage pizza that stayed with me for maybe 75 seconds. Whoo, man, do not do that, okay? You got to come off slow. Don't get back on slow. That's right. That's right. The Bible says we're supposed to pray and we're supposed to fast. I pray real fast and get it done heartbeat. So, um, let me end right here. We've got about two minutes. So, the Bible says, <coughs> we've talked about this. What does sin look like in your life? There are some, believe, some who believe <coughs> that if you sin, it will cause you to lose your salvation. Okay? We've talked about this in depth. I'm not going to go to great depths. Okay? But, you can lose your keys, you can lose your pen, you can lose your phone, you can lose your mind, but you cannot lose your salvation. Words mean things, okay? What I mean by that is this. I don't know what I do with my keys. Hey, have you seen, have you seen my wallet? Have you seen my... Have you seen, come on, answer me like you're my wife. I know that you're going to get the same answers. No. Okay. Okay, but keep going. I know you got another thing. Have you seen my keys? Thank you. <coughs> if I knew where I left it, I'd go there, lady. Don't you start with me. Yeah. You lose those kinds of things, okay? Would that not sound strange for you to go, what, what, what did I do with my salvation? Now, if you want some study, go to Hebrew. This is for next week or just personal. Go to Hebrew 6. And in Hebrew 6, it gives you a litmus test. And it shows what can happen to someone who, listen to me, forfeits their salvation. Give it back to God. If you do that, which I have not met anyone in my life that I think had done that, 
Because you've got to pass that litmus test. Number one, you have to have been saved. You have tasted of the goodness of God. You have had, had fellowship with him. All these things, right? And then you decide it's not worth it and you give it back. So you cannot lose your salvation, but you can forfeit your salvation based on Hebrews 6. That may help somebody. I don't know. All right? Nope. If you keep reading Hebrews 6, it says it is impossible for that person to be saved again because, number one, you can't be saved again. There are no scriptures in the Bible that said one must be reborn or again and again and again. One time. That's it. Uh, my belief, and I think I can prove it with scripture, at that particular point in time, you become a reprobate. You don't even care. Yes. Yeah, you, you don't even care at that point. You're so, you're so serious. Pharaoh... I believe Pharaoh was a, was a reprobate. Y'all have heard me say I don't believe it was God's intention to kill him. His greed put him in a place that he was not supposed to be. There again, these angels that are holding the water back. God said, hey, angels, go down and hold that water back, okay? And when, I, when you see all the people reach this point, you can let it come back. Yes, sir, they're holding it back. All the people go by, they see the last one get, and they said, I'm, I'm kind of making it like it's flipping, you know, like these angels are like, oh, okay. No, they're following orders, right? Pharaoh could have stopped and saved his life, but he didn't. He let greed, and you got one over me. I'm Be careful. <laughs> I mean, your can cost you. It can cost you your life, right? It cost Pharaoh his. God gave him ten chances, <laughs> changed his mind. And every time he said no, his heart got a little bit hardened. So... All right, so we've got a little studying to do. Um, next week, um, the integrity of God's Word, uh, we'll talk a little bit about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and then we'll get into the integrity um, of God's Word. So um, I think, let me see, I was looking at this the other day. Nope, 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 nope.